just had an amazing podcast with Jake Hanna, who is a futurist, teacher, entrepreneur, engineer, cybersecurity expert, and much, much more. He is what I call the modern definition of a Renaissance man. And to be honest, he didn't start that way. He started in cybersecurity, but, was, but his story is so amazing. With just one problem, with just one drone, he started a career which led him to just unimaginable places. But guys, uh, you're going to learn a lot from this podcast today. We talked about the Renaissance man, big performance, and how you can become a discoverer and why that philosophy is at the core of Jake's success. We all should be discoverer, guys. We all should discover things, and we should not get discouraged. Like, there's always things to discover, which we also talked about how once it was super easy to discover new things, you could go to a new land, like the Americas, but now it's super hard. However, there are still ways to pioneer today, and I believe that with this interview, I mean, I hope with this interview that you are going to start pioneering in your sphere or area, guys. Jake shared a lot of stuff, so make sure to connect with him. Well, he shares all his connection info at the end of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure to share the podcast because Jake just did an amazing interview. I'm so grateful that he shared everything with us. Uh, it was quite awesome. So, anyway, guys, I'm going to stop talking and leave you to the interview. You're going to learn a lot, so please keep, keep notes. I surely did, and I learned a lot. So, thank you for being a listener to the Pattern to Genius podcast. And, again, thank you, Jake, for being such an awesome guest. All right, see you. All right, Jake, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're super excited to have you here. Uh, so welcome, but how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Nicola, and I appreciate you having me on the show today. So life is going very well. Awesome, awesome. So uh, I guess we should jump in right in. So... Um, you know, people know it from the introduction already, but like you said, even in our previous call before a podcast was done, you know, uh, before a minute or so, we discussed the concept of renaissance, man. And I believe that you're just that. You're just the one example of what we should all strive for, you know, that curiosity to just specialize in different areas, to uh, just, you know, try our hand at everything. But I guess I want to know how that how that happened like what did you tackle first was it cybersecurity or environment what was, it, what was the first thing you tackled that just pushed you to try different things what was that click yeah that's a great question um digging the memory box here for a moment so it was probably more of of hard technical challenges that came across in my life um over the years and um, I would say cybersecurity was, was definitely one of them, uh, one of the very first, uh, you know, fields of, of study and research. It necessarily wasn't securing systems, it was how to hack them, uh, which is really what I cared about. How can, we, uh, how can we hack different computational systems in such a way that we can either protect them or that we can know where threat vectors are so that uh, we can truly leverage, you know, our gain, whether it be security or whether it would be stability or sustainability, et cetera. Um, but that was probably one of the, uh, the first ones in life for sure that it's a, it's a hard topic. It's a hard subject. Uh, there's, uh, there's a variety of mathematics involved. It's a lot of people didn't really shy away from. And from there, once, um, you know, the door opened that we can accomplish truly anything, 
which we hear this a lot, it's rather rudimentary, but when we apply that focus and that clarity and that connection to the wonder and the drive that originally got us to where we are now, in my opinion, we absolutely can accomplish what we put our minds to. Um, you know, and whether that can transcend the subject of engineering uh, or physics or cybersecurity or clean tech, et cetera. And so from there, yeah, I believe that would be a good uh, point is that, well, once we know, we feel that confidence layer so that we feel that connection of moving forward. Well, let's do it. Let's light this candle and let's move forward. And then uh, we can start applying the same motivation, the same curiosity to other intense subjects in life. So that's what I feel that I've done and I'm still doing it today. <laughs> so when you start with cybersecurity, can you give us like, if you remember, of course, a glimpse of what your typical routine of studying it looked like? Did you go in like the typical uh, programmer scientist kind of stereotype where you know you just do it for hours because you love it so much you love solving problems would you go on a more different approach of like consistently doing one hour every day how did you learn that how did that happen yeah um, it was not the traditional way of originally going to school and uh, that happened later for me this was more of um, it actually started with a drone, that is my story. It started with a drone, and I was curious, can we, can we hack this drone in order to understand, can it be used against us, whether it be for surveillance or uh, a weapon payload being attached to the drone, et cetera. Um, and then from there, the mind just started to wander and propagate with, uh, with thoughts. So it would, I would spend hours, uh, not just one hour a day, but hours over the course of weeks. It turned into months. So, well, how do I do this? Um, and I actually began not on the traditional software route of you know, programming and developing, et cetera. Um, uh, I did that later. I actually started in the radio frequency side, uh, how to understand RF hacking procedures. And then is it even viable? Is it doable? Um, and then from there, how does computational networks within hacking a programmable logic work with radio frequency um, logic and data encapsulation and things like that? And so from there, I, um, I actually started to bridge these sciences together. And that goes right back into this connection. So it was, um, it was more pragmatic for me, uh, for sure, that I would take notes on this. I truly wanted to understand how can I take this, um, what we'll call them data grants or data packets or data objects. How do I take this apart in such a way that I now can understand from the inside out how the science works? Um, but it didn't, I didn't start from my, um, you know, the, the grad school just jumping right into it. Uh, I did do that later. And then that was, uh, you know, weeks and months of just uh, in the books kind of work. But my logic, though, still remained the same on right to left. And what I mean by that is, well, what's my intent of going into hacking systems? Um, and work backwards from that intent in such a way that I now have a linear flow of accomplishing this goal. Um, and then from there, I started to connect, you know, more of the software landscape, more of the programmable logic landscape, more of the firmware, hardware side, attenuation within radio frequency theorem. Um, so anyways, yeah, it was a non-traditional route to start with for sure. Wow. So before I ask the next question, have you heard of Robert Greene? Because uh, of Robert Greene, the author, the one who did master and everything? I don't believe so. I, uh, I, um, maybe, I don't know, the name sounds very familiar. Uh, so I'm trying to remember. What you just described, you know, connecting all these different areas is basically like what he describes as a process of becoming a master, right? Because 
you start an apprentice and yada yada and then you start connecting those dots the experiment phase and everything so that's been pretty interesting uh, i guess that dude was right that's how we become a master <laughs> <laughs> i need to read the book <laughs> yeah uh and uh so so now uh, i guess how would you self-educate yourself at first you know you're irritated that problem you know you were wondered can i hack this and the yada yada but when where did you start? You start with the internet. Did you actually uh, call some people that you knew that could help you? How did that self-educating process start? Yeah, uh, and you're referencing from the cybersecurity track, right? Of how that started. Yeah, um, it was honestly this was a very lonely road, and this is probably what opened the door to my entrepreneurial journey. In that, um, with what I was looking at, at least in my knowledge at the time, it was never done before. Uh, of how to um, how to truly deploy a payload, um, which could be you know a dynamic link library, it could be a software development kit, etc., um, onto a um, you know a hardware application that was not connected to the same network as you were. So how do you do that strictly through radio frequency uh, emanation and wave propagation? Um, there wasn't a lot of people to call <laughs> that I could uh, phone a friend, if you will, as uh, the subject itself uh, was incredibly in its infancy. Uh, not to say that it hasn't been done before ever, it probably has, uh, but uh, I would surmise that there was less than you know, 200 people across the globe that knew how to do that. Um, and I didn't know who they were. So it was more for me a trial by fire of figuring it out myself. Uh, not in a selfish landscape or pride landscape, uh, but more of the resources weren't around me. And I also know that the best way for me to have uh, that learning experience is just to do it. Um, and that absolutely carried forward in life years later, you know, around a decade later from that moment, of uh, things may not be as difficult when you first, uh, when you first pursue it, of what the answers truly are when they come back to you. It actually may be not necessarily easy, but it may be more um, digestible or consumable in such a way that you can move this forward. You can create new technology. You can build something that's never before existed. Um, and sure, it's hard. And uh, nothing about that's easy. But the love of finding that, of being a discoverer of greenfield applications, that is one of the core secrets, in my opinion, that just sets you free. That we now can start to connect the dots even more. I love what you said about being a discoverer and you know that's like a double-edged sword right because uh, today we're not uh, the middle ages or the uh, the new the new age like after the middle ages where people could just discover a new land you know that it was just thrilling or they explore the uh, Americas and everything so I guess how how can we be discoverers in that new age where probably not everything but a lot of stuff were already discovered. How do you think we can become discoverers? Yeah, this is such a, this, this subject is so passionate in my heart that we truly can discover new worlds if we apply our mind to it. And, and sure, it's not the same, uh, you know, as the, the physical discovery of geography, um, unless we're probably talking about Antarctica. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, we, uh, you know, what I would say is to look around and what problems, what errors, what issues, what concerns do we see in our environment? And whether that would be politically, whether that would be from a technological perspective, services-based perspective, is there a product out there uh, that doesn't exist that we do need it to exist? Um, 
start, at least for me anyways, and it may, may be rather abstract, um, but to itemize problems that we experience today, whether, uh, and truly it could be um, software integrations not working together to optimize how you live your life. It could be hardware applications in such a way that, ah, I just wish I had this, or, um, you know, has anyone even thought about this? Uh, and I, and I, I'll give one really good example as a catalyst for the discovery test, if you will. And uh, I have to attribute this uh, to a good friend of mine. He's an intellectual property attorney, and uh, his name is Gray Mitchell. And when I first discovered the core technology uh, behind what we do in our company, I asked Gray over a call, uh, is this, is this um, you know, am I, am I overthinking this or am I completely insane or crazy? Uh, you know, please just tell me now um, that why has no one ever done this before? And that was the question. Why has no one ever done this before? And his response to me was, Jake, nine times out of 10 when I hear that, it never has. Um, and so it's, uh, in my opinion, it's our duty, it's our liability to be a good steward of those ideas. Don't just dismiss them. There's reasons you have them. Go pursue them further. Push them, you know, push that idea to the max. Um, and if it has been discovered, there's a very high probability that there's something in your head that has not been discovered with the existing idea that's in the world. And so with that logic and that premise, you truly can create an added value to benefit the lives of so many others in this world. So that's my opinion on the matter is to keep pushing when that idea does, you know, bubble up in the brain. Um, don't just dismiss it, pursue it, lean into it, and then uh, enhance your drive with it. Do you think that can be done in other areas besides tech? Like, for example, uh, physical fitness, which is like the other aspect of it, but a lot of people have been like pioneers the last decade in that area. Do you think that can be done in areas that are not related to tech, but still can be benefits from innovation? Do you think that can happen? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I, I do for a fact. Uh, and very similar to, uh, you know, we saw the rise of, of coaching. Um, there would be business coaching, life coaching, the rise of, uh, of those services, you know, really from the past five to 10 years. And then this year was really explosive uh, with the, uh, uh, the unfortunate advent of COVID. Um, but we're even seeing now, or I'm seeing now, the techniques that have completely changed and optimized to existing strategies of how you lead or how you found or how you run or operate a successful business. Um, and that's just one industry, but it absolutely would apply in my opinion to physical fitness. Um, we are still making discoveries today over the anatomical layers of the human body. Um, so what was, you know, best case scenario for advice or training in physical fitness 20 years ago, maybe completely different than what it is today, just through modern discovery of, you know, how does the human brain function or regulate different neurotransmission levels? How does, um, you know, the white blood cell count actually play a critical role? What's your dietary needs, which we've, you know, just recently discovered in five to 10 years, of uh, all of the dietary nuances that we never knew about. And that's where you saw the advent of all of these diets that came out uh, over the years. Well, you don't really see many drink milk commercials anymore, right? Remember those in the 90s? Uh, but now we see more of uh, commercials, uh, well, let's watch your MSG count, let's watch your sugar, let's watch your trans fat, watch your carbs. You know, this was not 20 years ago logic. And so um, I absolutely believe it will be optimized even better in our future. It's funny how about the, uh, you know, about the milk. It's, it's funny how they don't do that anymore, but it's still like really healthy. You know, not for uh, people who are like uh, allergic to it, 
but it's actually one of the uh, the dairy foods that it may not be the best one for losing weight, which a lot of people want to do, but it's far, far better than a lot of stuff about, you know, just keeping an overall health, right? I mean, it contains calcium, so that helps the bones. Um, so anyways, so when you decide that you're going to tackle that, you're going to go all in, what, what happened then? How did you start solving this problem? How did you uh, advance in your career? What's the story? Uh, I'm assuming you're referencing the entrepreneurial journey when I went all in on that one. Yeah. So that one was, uh, you know, that's the road of isolation there. And, and I'm smiling about it as um, it's, it's a road that's absolutely worth it. Um, the feeling of going all in is, um, you know, it's scary. I'm not going to tell you that it's not. It's absolutely scary. You uh, will abandon all of your research, all of your uh, you know, your previous uh, uh, roles and titles and positions and career corporate ladder progression, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a step on a different boat. <laughs> so you're on one vessel going this way and whether it's, it's not ahead or behind, but there's just a different vessel coming next to you and you don't know what's on that vessel. You have no idea where it's heading or where you can pilot it. And guess what? You jump on and now you're the ship captain. <laughs> um, and it, um, you know, what led to that point was validation uh, for me. It was validation that what we discovered, uh, what I discovered at the time, it works and it absolutely can work. It's, uh, you know, the, we can, you really want to have as much validation on paper as you can simply because it's cheap. Uh, it's more cost effective for you to run mathematical problems more so than invest um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into solving these problems um, in the real world. Um, and so, of course, like any other you know, entrepreneur, I did that. I started off with math problems and then from there I went to physics. Um, and will this absolutely work? And the subject of the answer is yes, it will. And once that validation loop really kicked in for me, that was the moment where uh, there's lives that depend on this technology uh, with, with, what, with what I've designed. Um, and then later, uh, my partners have since been optimized. Uh, which I'm incredibly humbled and thankful for, is that uh, the tech is too valuable, in my opinion, for us to do nothing with it. As we now can produce water out of the air in a co-generative system while producing renewable energy. Um, and we see the lack of water resources across the globe. We see uh, the lack of food uh, that's across the globe right now. We now have a means to do something about it. And again, going back to being a good steward of that idea, that passion, that drive, that, motiv that motivation, um, it was my liability, my duty to do that and to jump all in for the benefit for the benefit and uh, betterment of the world. Were you always that motivated? Were, were there times where you just had to do discipline, to go to the discipline world, not just the uh, inspired and motivational world? Because I guess a lot of people experience that nowadays. Motivation is just temporary. So what did you do when it's, it's, it's not there? Yeah, I, I'd say for me, it's been there always uh, since, uh, you know, my early days in the U.S. military, uh, where there was always a drive to accomplish uh, either that mission, that vision, those objectives, um, and to always do it to the best of my abilities. Uh, so I believe it's always been there of what I touch. Not to say that it'll always be perfect. <laughs> I've failed many times. Uh, but when I try my best and try, I, I can look back in my life and say I gave it my all. Um, but yeah, motivation is absolutely very temporary. And motivation can always work against you. 
um, as well. Your mind will absolutely let motivation completely trick you. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur, being a founder, the first few series of iterations where you fail, whether it be in product design engineering, whether it be in sales, whether it be in marketing, whether it be in business development and growth or corporate structuring, um, you will most likely have an array of failures to go along with that. I mean, that's what you accept out of the gate. Um, so motivation can work the other way where you convince yourself, oh, it's not worth it. Oh, it's just, you know, overbearing. Oh, it's just, you know, all these excuses uh, that start to, to boil up. Um, but for me, the control still remains the same. Why is it that you're here and why did you start this? And if you replay that, at least for me in my head, and what, what I've done as a technique and a, and a strategy, uh, that when things become incredibly difficult or daunting, complex, challenging, um, or, or, you know, of course, there, and there's still business decisions that uh, the world's never even seen yet before. And every founder experiences a slice of that. It may not be a lot, but fractionally, every founder will. And when those decisions come up or when those challenges are presented to you, always remind yourself, why, why are you doing this? Um, you know, is it, is it for financial gain? Is it for social impact gain? Um, are you truly trying to, to revolutionize either an industry, the world, um, a technology, people? Um, what is it that you're, that you're here for and why? And I do believe when you have that good reminder set in stone, and that was, that's what really pulled me through for me. What, what pulled me through for mine um, was that the world depends on us. Uh, without this tech uh, that we have, there is a, a very high probability that many will, uh, many will perish. And we have an ability to stop that. We can truly save human lives. Um, and that eats right at our core uh, with what we do. So let's get back to the military. What are some lessons that you learned there? The pursuit of excellence is probably one, but can you summarize your experience in the military? Because you know, a lot of people come out there, you know, different people in a positive way. I mean, being as you know in the military, you just connect to being disciplined, having a purpose, committing to excellence. You know, so what did you learn there? Yeah, um, <laughs> probably too much. <laughs> but um, for me, it was well, well. How do I answer that? You know, that's a that's a very very intriguing inquiry. I I have learned self accountability. I have learned. Uh, for me, that uh, I, I saw a lot of things, we'll, we'll call them that, uh, whether they'd be uh, policies, whether they'd be operations, they could have been done better. They could have been done a lot better. They could have been um, um, analyzed differently. They could have been staffed differently. Um, and for, for me, it was, well, I'm, you know, I want to go back to that discovery phase, uh, and it taught me to discover more and to look more into what's happening around my life. From that point, I, um, I really wanted to optimize my own journey. I wanted to found and pilot my own vessel. And I didn't know that then in the early days of the service, um, is that it absolutely uh, was conducive, and it taught me to to have more confidence, to have more um, resilience when, uh, you know, when things go right, because they will. Contingency planning is always a big one for anyone in the service. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of Murphy's Law jokes about everything. Um, so to always plan for contingencies. Um, I would say the ability to push further and harder, though, is not organically taught in the service, uh, whether or not you're a leader or not. 
Um, for me, it was about finding the new horizons. Um, as, the, as, the, as the military will show you, this is the horizon, you need to go here. It'll show you that and it will help you get there in a heartbeat. Um, it will coach and guide you and then you're with colleagues and, um, uh, and other friends at the time that you'll go through a lot together. So there's a trust and bond on how you get to this, this goal or this, this short-term horizon. Well, for me, I wanted to go further, much, much further. And so if the military could not take me there, uh, and I have the tools now in my trace on how to guide and see the next horizon, well, I'm going to go there myself. Um, and that's what I did. So for me, it was uh, absolutely a service of resilience, a service of, um, you know, any mental attributions that I could dedicate my life for in service of this country. Um, but from there, it was how to push these horizons to the next level. What do you, can you expand more on what do you mean by saying self-accountability? Yeah, yeah. It's about, um, you know, it, it's a, uh, it's an attribute in some of the Army key values, key leadership values of selfless service. Uh, but key accountability or, or the accountability of self, it's about, um, you know, when you're on that isolated journey, what decisions are you going to make for you so that you maintain um, long-lasting integrity uh, for yourself, for others, and you're accountable to that. You know, when something goes wrong, because it will, whatever it may be that you touch, you, you know, everyone will, will do something wrong or be a part of something that goes wrong or so. It's the ability to raise your hand and say, that was me, that was my fault. I was the one that, uh, you know, I shouldn't have done that and that's okay. And to accept, not failure, but to accept the fact that you, uh, you, I, we, one, we make errors. And to accept uh, where those errors come out in the decision life cycle and how to move forward as fast as you can um, so that uh, you truly walk away with that awareness of this is now the right way to pursue. This is the right direction I need to go on without dragging a lot of the, you know, the negative energy, if you will, the, the, the previous uh, events with you. And so it's being holding yourself accountable, being a good steward of that. Um, when you, you know, acknowledging the fact when mistakes are made, they will be made. Acknowledge them. It's okay. Mistakes uh, are very similar to risk in such a way they're great. Um, they're not terrible. You know, a lot of people uh, really, when they hear the word risk, you know, they kind of cringe and become stressed. And it's being accountable so that you measure both your unknown and your known risk in advance as best you can. And when things go awry, Hey, I didn't plan for it. Hey, I did plan for it. Here's what we're going to do about it. Uh, yada, yada, yada. So uh, what I mean by that is, is really taking charge, piloting your own vessel. Um, if you run into a few rocks at times, well, just tell your passengers in the back that, hey, you know, my bad. We, uh, we made a mistake. We're going to go around this next time and not go through it again. So. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. So basically, uh, be responsible for your own shortcomings. Is that one of the yeah. key? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty stoic, by the way, but uh, it's pretty awesome. Anyway, so about the horizons, you know, discovering new horizons, don't you think that, like the military, our education system is like the same, you know, when your horizon is to just finish up school, maybe go to university, get a job, and yada, yada. I'm not saying that you uh, getting a job is a bad, I'm not trying to be a self-help guru, or anything of that nature, but uh, I, I guess it just blocks from getting new horizons. But what's your opinion on that? Do you think that our education system just 
blocks us from exploring new fields or being a truly a discoverer? Yeah, I believe uh, all of society does that, to be quite, quite candid. I believe all of society mechanics have conditioned civilization to not pursue the full boundaries of those new horizons that we speak of. It's more of uh, what you just mentioned, and the education system is a part of it. Uh, I don't believe it's this, the only variable, uh, but I do believe that it's contributing right back to an economy that is um, what I like to use a, a phrase from, uh, from my partner, um, uh, Mr. Orlin Wetzker, is that we are a consumption-based economy. We're not a productive-based economy. Uh, we love to take, 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 take. We love to uh, you know, take whatever we, we bought or purchased, throw it away. Um, we do not have uh, you know, waste of energy or waste of optimization uh, systems in place. And it is all about taking, consuming, buying more uh, through generally a capitalistic-led agenda. Um, and, and that's not to transcend political uh, uh, natures as well, but I believe it's societal barriers, kind of going back to your question, why do we not pursue the horizons in which we do? Um, are we limited or, you know, is our education system or the standard norms of getting a degree, uh, going into student debt for a while, trying to get a job, buying a home, uh, going into more debt, um, if you can, you know, buy a home in the country that you live in, et cetera. Uh, it, it's a typical uh, rationality that we, I believe, want to mirage and call freedom. But it's anything but freedom. Uh, freedom is, to me, having that ability to circumnavigate these short horizons that society says, yeah, go here. This is great. Um, you know, you're doing the right thing or, or you're, you're going as far you know, as you possibly can and saying, well, no, I don't agree with that. I'm going to go further. Uh, and I have now the resources and the independence, the freedom, the liberation to go further, to push that, you know, to, uh, to bring that new horizon closer to you, to sail in that direction. Um, so there are wonderful things about um, the existing academia system that we have, that there's a, a, lot of, a lot of errors with it, in my opinion. Um, and uh, not to certainly go down the political road, uh, but in terms of, you know, the education itself, it's already known, even professors will, will tell you, I will tell you, that academia is probably around seven to 12 years behind industry application. Uh, we know this. Um, that's why we sometimes, we, we, uh, we complain about going to, you know, our early math classes in, in undergrad um, or classes that um, are either prerequisites or they are, uh, you know, the ones that we absolutely need to take in order to advance our degree, they're a requirement. Um, and that's why one of the reasons we complain about them, it's so outdated, or where am I gonna use this, or what am I gonna do with it one day, and all these excuses then kind of bubble up. Uh, and then 20 years down the road, you then ask yourself, wait, you know, these, what I learned here actually was very valuable because now I get to apply it, you know, if it's an, if it's an algebra class, for example, uh, I'm in, uh, you know, a hardware store and I need to measure something. Well, it's gonna come back. And, and we all realize that for a moment. Uh, but in terms of going back to the uh, to the question itself, I believe society has conditioned us to accept these short-term horizons, not the long-term. Let's truly solve humanity's greatest problems, whatever they may be. Um, but let's just kind of focus on our bubble. Let's kind of focus on what we're used to in these norms um, and condition ourselves that the risk is far too high to explore further. In reality, though, you define that risk and you can create it. Talking about education, how do you make sure to stay on top of the edge in your business and in, you know, in all the areas you pursue? 
do you read a lot? Do you interview people that are better than you at some areas? How do you make sure that you learn and are at the top of the game most of the time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I try to read as, as much as I can. Um, and uh, I, I wish I had a, uh, a number I could give you. I know that I have certain goals that, that I have as I'm authoring a few books myself. Um, but I, um, uh, I certainly read as much as I possibly can. I have uh, uh, nine books in my reading queue right now at the moment. Um, when it comes to either corporate development, product manufacturing, um, you know, the world of entrepreneurship, how social impact investing really works through intercapitalism and private equity markets, um, how you truly can optimize your business for success. Sometimes these are not in books. That's the hard part. Uh, you just have to do it. <laughs> and, and that's one of the main uh, attributes that I learned along the way is that uh, very similar going back to the, to the radio frequency hacking days. There's not many people out there that can tell you how to do that back then, um, if any. Uh, but say very similar to being on the entrepreneur journey, um, people can certainly advise and tell you now, uh, you know, having done it that, Hey, I wouldn't really do this. And I would focus on this or I'd do this instead. Uh, but you will not find that in a book. Um, you won't, you're not going to find that primarily in a read. Primarily is those feelings, um, they're not conveyed in the same level that an author would convey in a book to their readers. They can try as best they can, but quite frankly, they're not you. Um, can you emulate the feeling of another person? And the answer is no, you can't. We can try, but what we fail at doing that. Um, so it's more to stay on the cutting edge, to stay on the top of the edge. It's doing, it's actions speak louder than your words. Um, if, there's a, if there's a book out there that covers a topic that you're interested in, for example, one of mine at our fields is terraforming. How could we terraform barren landscapes of the world into, um, into green vegetative landscapes and produce more water in the atmosphere through transpiration cycles? How can we do that? You know, it sounds insane when you, when you say it out loud and then you start walking back the mechanics. Uh, well, it is doable. You need water, power, uh, fertilizer, urea, lime. You need the right soil uh, concentration contents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then you apply it. And guess what's going to happen when you do that? there's going to be errors. There's going to be items where there was too much water, too much fertilizer, too much slime, because it's not directly in a book. And almost in this founder entrepreneurial alchemy that we then create our own solutions for it. And so my biggest advice is to move forward by doing, reading what you can, accepting mentorship and helping others, yet not being distracted. Is that is a very key element um, of, of exploring those new horizons is the shiny objects now are everywhere. So when you make it past the first short term horizon, you go to the next one. Uh, there's a whole sea of distractors that you have to cross. Um, and if you pursue one and you go in, all in on that one, whatever that one is, you absolutely have a risk and you need to accept that risk that it may not bring you that next horizon. Can you measure it in advance as best you can? Um, while maintaining focus for why you're here in the first place. This is pretty interesting. So how did you went from, you know, this I'll do it myself problem solver to a leader in your business? How did you make that transition? Um, the easy answer is uh, <laughs> a lot of, a, a lot of failures, you know, create the success uh, that we greatly enjoy today. I, uh, I, I've been a leader my, uh, my entire life, uh, I felt, you know, ever since the early days uh, in the service, 
Um, that's what I do. That's my comfort zone uh, where I feel that it's for me. And I believe that accepting when people feel that they're leaders, either natural born or they're growing into those leadership positions, um, going, you know, lean into it. It's okay. There's a very good chance that you're meant to be a leader. Um, and if you're not, that's absolutely brilliant because that's okay too. Um, we all need to go through either different stages of development. Uh, and again, I go back to these societal characteristics, you know, having manager or director or chief in your title, um, after 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of work to me, doesn't tell you success. That doesn't guarantee you success. Uh, society wants to tell you that, that you have these right roles now. Um, but success to me is how you define it. And that's not defined by roles. You know, if, if it was, we would see on many gravestones and headstones across the world, people's positions and titles more so than their name. We don't. Why is that? Why do we see the name? You know, and let's just, let's really think about that. Um, it's about being successful with what is prioritized to oneself. It may sound easy, it's incredibly difficult uh, to do. So uh, for me, transitioning from you know, a problem solver to a leader, I don't believe it really ever happened. I believe it's always just been there where I love solving, uh, I love solving problems. I worked on puzzles as a kid. Uh, that was you know, my, uh, one of my favorite pastimes as it was retold to me. Um, and uh, I love taking things apart, putting them back together. I wanna know how they work and why they work the way they do. Um, and it's very similar. It may, it may sound very engineering, you know, in your head when I'm hearing it, but it's very similar to business mechanics. Um, there's different corporate structures. One, you know, there's, there's three that, uh, that work right and five that don't. Okay, and of the three that work right, well, you gotta figure it out. What works on the inside? How does, uh, you know, how does uh, your cap table look and how's it going to be managed? Um, what type of uh, joint ventures do you want to create? What's your exit pipeline look like? Um, what's your production launch date? How are you marketing this? Um, even though it's a completely new technology that's never before existed, you know, how do you do these things? And so, and, and to me, if they're very one in the, in the same, um, you know, working from right to left, solving these problems, but also leading by doing. And that, uh, that self-accountability that we talked about, uh, when you're wrong, just say, it's okay, I'm wrong, you know, made a mistake, and let's move forward. And when you're right, say, great, this is awesome, I'll celebrate the small win, I'm going to hit it again, uh, and keep pushing that new horizon, you know, closer to me. Um, so that's where I believe that they are, they're not necessarily separate uh, for me, I don't believe. I believe that they're intertwined, uh, the problem solving and, um, and the ability to lead very well in organizations. So Jake, I guess that was an awesome interview. I really believe that. But before we end, I have a couple of more questions. So first of all, how can people connect with you? What are the best ways people can actually reach out to you and maybe say, damn, man, your story was amazing. How can I help you? And yada, yada. How can people connect with you? Yeah, they can connect with me on our new website that we will be launching soon. Um, so we'll have uh, our website launched in uh, November. And that will be at selu.earth. So that's www.selu.earth. And you can find us there uh, and would love to connect. So if you do have questions in the community or if I can, uh, if I can help in any way, please, uh, by all means, don't hesitate to reach out. You can also find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Awesome, awesome. So for the end, can you recommend us some of the books that you read or read right now? Oh, wow, I have a whole, <laughs> I'm looking around in the office right now. Um, yeah, I have several actually. So, um, 
Uh, I actually want to go grab a few now that you've mentioned that up. So um, uh, one of the first ones uh, will be the exit strategy handbook. And um, this one really put it into perspective how you can apply different exit concepts of your journey, whether you want to IPO, whether you want to be acquired, uh, do you want to structure a, a rather complex M&A uh, so that you can exit that idea and uh, have the necessary capital to refocus on the other ideas that you may have. And that's generally how it works in the entrepreneurial community. You know, if you see one successful founder, what do they generally do? Well, they get bored and they start another one because they figured it out. Uh, and it does come down to understanding how to exit. Another one would be uh, the intelligent exit. Uh, and this one's by uh, Mark uh, Carmichael. Um, which really, you know, it, um, if anything, Mark is more of an M&A advisor uh, in this read of how well you should value your company, how you should plan the valuation of your company towards closer to exit uh, pipeline. Um, uh, anyways, I, I absolutely can't recommend this book enough for uh, entrepreneurs. Um, and, you know, that's a go on a list of 15 other books that I would absolutely recommend. I would say there's one more I want to recommend. Um, and, and this is the, uh, the seven non-negotiables of winning. And this was wrote by a, a, a good friend and who I call family, uh, David Williams, uh, here in Utah. And he really uh, discusses, describes how you truly can be a better you, a better leader. Uh, what should be negotiable? What should be absolutely a non-negotiable for you as a leader to succeed? Um, and I'm so humbled uh, that Dave uh, wrote this book for the betterment of everyone. I think those are some awesome, awesome recommendations, man. So, David, thank you for recommending the books and sharing that wisdom with us. I think we all learned a lot. I'm pretty sure about that, at least for me. Uh, so thank you for your time. And, of course, in the future, I hope we can have you again when you grow even more because I guess there will be even more exciting stories to, to tell. So thank you for your time, Jake. Have an amazing, amazing end of the week and amazing end of the year. So thank you. Thank you so much, Nicola. I appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing week and amazing year ahead. So uh, go 2021. <laughs> yeah, let's hope it's uh, far better than this one. Yeah. All right. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you also shared it because a lot of people need to hear our message. We are curing the pandemic of wasted potential, and that is just a huge goal. And although it's not the 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 largest goal ever like some people have a, a lot larger goals our goal is to help people fulfill their potential so please if you know someone who is just dragging with life who isn't living to their full potential please share this out we are not self-help gurus we are interviewing geniuses from all walks of life we are not people who are going to motivate you we want discipline we're going to discipline you to becoming your own genius so thank you for listening to that podcast. Please share it, subscribe, and tune in for the next episode because, guys, we are going places and we love to take you there. So anyway, future geniuses, I'll see you soon.